Greetings, I'm Will Tompkins, and this is the Narrow Way Podcast. This series of episodes is our study of John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress, Part 2, Christiana's Story. Links to our source text will be found in the description field of the first episode in this series. In this episode, we'll be discussing the beginning of Christiana's walk, her coming to Christ, and the emergence of her lifelong relationship with mercy. Page references for this lesson will be found in the description field of this episode. Now, before we begin, let us pray. O merciful God, as we come together in this time of learning, may your truth ring loudly. May it push all fear, uncertainty, and dread aside, leaving our hearts and our minds open to your wisdom. May we set our focus, Father, unwaveringly on the eternal view, gathering from such sights the hope and the strength to finish the race. And may the Spirit guide us at each crossroad, Father God, so that we might choose the righteous path, the ancient one, and in all things, glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to begin this discussion by taking a step back and noting the absolute spiritual importance of Christians' walk to those left behind. Not only Christiana and the four boys, but also those many neighbors and other town folks who were amazed and changed by the magnitude of his transformation and the wondrous talk of his courage and perseverance. This was a man who made a difference. Unlike Paul, he fought the good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. And on that day which is to come, he will receive his imperishable crown. Amen. And as you read Christiana's story, notice that Christian is mentioned at every stop, at every layover, by everyone who greets her along her own narrow way. And that even though he has crossed over the river of death, his faith and obedience remain a constant source of strength, encouragement, and guidance to her and her boys. Indeed, they are the very foundation and driving force of this story. So even in death, Christian remains the husband and father that God called him to be. Indeed, as he has called all husbands and fathers to be, making this a universal message. Amen. So all you fathers, Remember these words from Proverbs 22.6 and from 3 John 1.4. Train up your children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And have no greater joy than to hear that your children walk in the truth. Amen. Now let's turn our attention to the narrative at hand, 
Bunyan confides in his readers that he's had some concerns of late about the family's well-being. So, quote, having taken up lodgings in a wood, he slept and dreamed again. And in his dream, he meets and begins walking with one Mr. Sagacity, who he engages in a conversation about what's happened to Christian and his family, Christiana and the four boys. He tells us of Christian and his dangerous journey towards the celestial country. And he reminds us of how unwilling and how surly his wife was when asked to follow him, even after he told them of their city's imminent destruction by God's fire. We are told that Christiana has heard all the good things, the good and glowing news of her husband and his dwelling at the Lord's court actually sitting at his right hand, if you will. But what's really rising up to consume her thoughts is her anxiety over her own salvation and that of her children. So, does she also become a pilgrim? And if so, how does she decide? Well, first we need to remember and reflect on this. Christian's journey was a spiritual one, not a physical one. He never physically left his family until the river of death, and thus his deeds and his beliefs, all supported by his Christian worldview, were always on display for his family to witness. His life became his testimony, and that testimony became their roadmap. Oh, loved ones, may we live such lives that they too become roadmaps for the lost. Amen. Christiana was not only mourning the physical loss of her, but also tearfully bemoaning her unbecoming behavior towards him. Her mind was flooded with, as Bunyan writes, all her unkind, unnatural, and ungodly carriages to her dear friend, which also clogged her conscience and did load her with guilt. Making matters worse, though, was her remembrance of his loving attempts to persuade her to make the journey with him along the narrow way. And then his outcry would ring loud in her head, Oh, what shall I do to be saved? She confessed to her children that she had sinned away their father, a father who wanted them with him on the journey, and thus she had hindered them of life. And at that, the four boys wept and cried out to go after their father. Christiana was, in today's vernacular, a wreck. And at first she thought that her husband was just foolish or melancholy. But in fact, he had seen the light, the true light. And he had become a doer of the word, not merely a hearer. Commentator Barter writes, Happy is that death which brings the believer to heaven and the surviving relatives to Christ, which opens the gate of glory to one and the door of salvation to the other. Amen. She worried more and more over the impact of her sin and the subsequent state of her soul. And then in a dream, she sees a parchment upon which were written the sum of her ways. Deeply distressed at this listing of her sins, she cries out, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Luke 19, 13. 
Let's pause here for a moment and reflect on this sign of repentance, this seeking of forgiveness. Is this not the first step in coming to Christ? Yes. And notice the similarity of her actions to those of hopeful, as shared with us in his testimony to Christian in part one, chapter eight. Recall that Hopeful's journey to the Lord also began with great distress over his sins and the condition of his soul. And then there came upon Hopeful a growing conviction. He said he never imagined that God begins his work in a sinner's life by awakening him to his sin. Have you been awakened to your sin, loved ones? And that's exactly what has happened to Christiana, isn't it? Then she dreams of two evil ones who are contemplating the loss of yet another soul to the pilgrimage. And the subsequent appearance of Mrs. Timorous and friends is, of course, the result of these evil ones working feverishly to turn Christiana back to the world. Now, as the result of deep despair over her own sin and of her seeking mercy and forgiveness, what happens? The Lord sends a heavenly messenger named Secret who comes in peace and calls her by name. And what does this messenger do next? He tells her that her plea has not only been heard, but that God is ready and eager to forgive. Amen. So who is Secret? Let's read Psalm 25, 12 through 15. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Amen. And what's more, secret tells her she's invited to sit at his table and that all who are there will be glad when they shall hear the sound of thy feet over thy father's threshold. And there's also a letter from the king saying that he would have her do as did Christian, her husband, for that was the way to come to his city and to dwell in his presence with joy forever. Not quite understanding what that meant, Christiana asks, Sir, Will you carry me and my children with you, that we also may go and worship the king? And what did the messenger say to this? No, Christiana, the bitter before the sweet. He tells her that she must go through troubles and trials, that there is essentially no free ride, and that she is to keep the letter. Then she calls her sons confesses her belief that their father is well and living with the king. She also confesses the hardening of her heart, as well as theirs, against their father and refusing to go on the pilgrimage. This was her heartfelt repentance, her mea culpa, her outward acknowledgement of her own sin and wayward actions. Encouraged now by secrets, words, she now chooses to accept the Lord's invitation and says, Come, my children, let us pack up and be gone to the gate that leads to the celestial country. 
that we may see your Father and be with him and his companions in peace according to the laws of that land. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, just as Christiana and her children were about to be on their way, we see that trouble is just around the corner, isn't it? Here comes Mrs. Temerus. Remember her husband? Running from the lions in front of the interpreter's house, having not the faith to know that the lions were chained by the Lord of the place. Notice she was immediately put off by Christiana's greeting. If you come in God's name, come in, she had said. Now she had heard rumors that Christiana and her children were leaving on pilgrimage and wanted to put a quick end to such foolishness. Mrs. Timorous, now convinced that Christiana had been duped and is no longer worthy of being a mother, wants to know who filled her head with such nonsense. In response, Christiana gives a memorable speech, confessing her past behavior towards her dear husband and her need to be with him in the presence of the Lord. She also reports her dream, her firm resolve, and her acceptance of the Lord's forgiveness. And she tells Mrs. Timorous that her husband has become a companion of the immortals and has a house now given him to dwell in, to which the best places on earth, if compared, seem to be but as a dunghill. She concludes this wonderful testimony by telling the rather taken aback Mrs. Timorous that the Lord has invited her to come and that she has accepted. And with that, she whips out her letter and reads it and then asks, What now will you say to this? Mrs. Timorous, seldom without words for such occasion, wants to know what madness has possessed her. Reminding Christiana of all the great troubles and trials that lay before her, and her dear children. She even cites obstinate and pliable as examples of those who were wise enough to return before it was too late. But not to be deterred, and now standing firm in her faith, Christiana declares these troubles and trials not to be a discouragement, but rather a sign that she's on the right path from bitter to sweet. And with that, she tells Mrs. Timorous that since she did not come in God's name, she's no longer welcome and to be gone with her and to not bother her again. Now, at this point, Mrs. Timorous is somewhat beside herself. We can just imagine her stomping her feet as she now turns to Mercy and says, Come, let's leave her in her own hands since she scorns our counsel and company. But wait, Mercy isn't quite ready to comply with such a demand, is she? No, she stands her ground, telling Mrs. Timorous that I will go a little way with her and help her. But in truth, she has a second, more important reason, a private one that she keeps to herself. And what was that private reason? Well, the author writes, quote, her bowels yearned over her own soul. Why? because Christiana's words had taken hold of Mercy's mind. Uh, please note that the use of the word bowels here does not refer to today's common usage of that word, but rather to the deepest and innermost feelings, which in this case would be in her mind and her soul. So our Mrs. Timorous returns home to round up the naysayer troops, people like Mrs. Bat's eyes, 
Mrs. Inconsiderate, Mrs. Lightmind, and Mrs. Know-Nothing, with the sole purpose of demeaning and derailing Christiana and Mercy from proceeding on their pilgrimage. In describing Christiana and Mercy and their proposed journey, Mrs. Timorous and friends used words such as these, blind and foolish women. They also called them fantastical fools, said good riddance to them, that they're unneighborly and whimsical fools. In the end, seeing no way to persuade Christiana of her folly as they saw it, they all went back to their worldly friends, which included such notables as Madame Wanton, Mrs. Love the Flesh, Mr. Lechery, and Mrs. Filth, and so on. So now Christiana, her children, and Mercy are on their way. But uncertainties are welling up in Mercy. Even though Christiana is certain of her acceptance because she has invited her, and because the Lord of the place delights in granting mercy. Nevertheless, mercy's doubts of her acceptance at the gate remain, and so Christiana offers to employ her as a servant until they reach the gate, where she will inquire and advocate for her. Mercy gratefully accepts the offer, but weeps over leaving her friends and family in that sinful town with no one to teach them about the wrath which is to come. In comforting her, Christiana says, And thou dost for thy friends, as my good Christian did for me when he left me. He mourned that I would not heed nor regard him, but his Lord and ours did gathered up his tears and put them into his bottle. And now both I and thou and these my sweet babes are reaping the fruit and benefit of them. From Psalms 126, 5 and 6, we read, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And as they venture forth, mercy says, Let the most blessed be my guide, if it be his blessed will, unto his gate, into his fold, up to his holy hill. Amen. Let us pause here to reflect on the Lord's mercy as described by commentator Scott. They should recollect that the Lord delighteth in mercy, that Christ will in no wise cast out any that come to him, and that they who trust in the mercy of God solely through the redemption of his Son shall assuredly be saved. Now let's take a closer look at Christiana. What do we know about her? Well, one commentator puts it this way. We know next to nothing of Christiana until after she's widowed. In fact, the only thing we know for sure about her during those times is that she was a, quote, utterly ungodly woman and that she married an utterly ungodly man. And what does Christian answer when he's asked about his wife by charity at the House Beautiful? He wept as he answered, Why, my wife was afraid of losing the world, and my children were given over to the foolish delights of youth. So what with one thing and what with another, they left me to wander in this manner alone. 
So all that we know and will learn of her begins, White writes, where all other works of fiction end, and where in our Christian worldview, our best is always before us. Amen. Now here's another memorable quote from White. I have sinned away your father, she cried, as she threw herself on the earth at the feet of her astounded children. I have sinned away your father, and he is gone. Now, loved ones, that is remorse. No visible signs of a weapon, no marks, no cuts of any kind. Yet in her words, she sinned away their father, and he's gone forever. The permanence of that is quite striking, isn't it? And how did that happen? Well, it happened as a result of constant rejection, a pushing away, an unkindness, and her, as she called it, churlish behavior when he was distressed over the state of their souls. This and more she shared with her children. She exposed her heart and soul to them. This and their father's death finally softened their hearts. Woeful were they over his absence. And so when Christiana said, Come, my children, let us pack up and be gone to the gate, that we may see your father and be with him. According to the laws of that land, they cried out with joyful tears and obeyed with gladness in their hearts. And so their own narrow way journey begins. Please pray with me. O oh, Father, Holy is thy name, all glory and honor to you. Grateful are we for your presence here with us during our time together. May these studies impress upon our hearts our need for sowing the seeds of faithfulness and obedience, and may they encourage us to expose our faith for all to see. May our tongues not be silent, but proclaim the gospel to all who would listen. And may our hands reach out, Father, to those who need to be lifted in spirit. This we pray in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, loved ones, in our next lesson, we'll take a closer look at mercy before moving on to the slough of despond, the gate, and beyond. Until then, may the Comforter be with you always to guide you in the way that leads to the city.